right, everyone. Welcome back to the Overlap. My name is Elias Techley, and once again, I am joined by my friend Rian. Rian, how you doing today? Hello, hello. I'm um, just coming off of watching the uh, Super Cup. We're a few hours after that yeah. game just ended. Um, I'm doing, you know what, feeling a lot better than uh, I did on Sunday. Um, the team looked a, like Chelsea's a lot better today. Also, having Conte back is obviously a massive difference. <laughs> he was, I think, their best player on the, on the field. <laughs> having Conte back in the lineup. Yeah, yeah, he was he was Chelsea's best player today and arguably the best player between both teams today. Um, yeah, interesting thing. Like, the, I know people, you know, have a lot to say about how Sarri played him last year, whatnot. Like, people saying that, that he was, like, too far up and whatever. But, you know, I still hold that if you're, like, a high – like high press team, like who's better to have pressing high and, than yeah. Golo Conte? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and, like yeah, and and he still has like all the energy to run back and like as people has he we saw today in that game he was just all over the field and he's gotten a lot better um, attacking wise and I think last season helped a lot with that. So yeah. you know I I think he's gonna be even uh, yeah I think he's he's if he stays healthy he might have. Like his best season so far in Chelsea, I think that's really possible. Yeah, I think a lot of Chelsea fans have high hopes for him and uh, the American god that is Christian Pulisic. Uh, putting oh in my god! Amazing gosh, performance dude. today. He was great. He was great. I that that was like today was basically the game where I'm like, okay, he's gonna be all right. He's gonna be all right. <laughs> like he he's not gonna he's not gonna like come in and be a flop. <laughs> like he's right. gonna he's coming. He's played really well against. Against um, top tier opposition, it was Gomez was on his side. Yeah, yeah, and and Gomez was the right back on yeah. that side. So you know, it wasn't Alexander Arnold, but you know, still the the team that he's going up against is <laughs> the champions of Europe, and also he had great assist on um really good assist on on Giroud's goal. So yep. I, I'm not worried about I'm not worried about him. I think they'll he'll he'll progress. He'll get better, and he was pretty good today he scored yeah. but just a step offside oh my god I, hey he was he offside scored. don't I literally... bring var into this no, he was he was no 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 100 100 today he was he was yeah i'm glad you admit <laughs> but, right. but, i'm glad we're on the same yeah page. yeah there's no discussion of a shoulder <laughs> to be had today well no i'll save that for our next premier league yeah every every uh, week we're so gonna have I, a, a mini yeah brief var discussion and uh it's gonna be the same thing for the next uh about eight I mean, months keep them short i will keep them short sure of course short. yeah absolutely why wouldn't you <laughs> anyway that is actually not the purpose of today's podcast uh on today's pod we're actually going to be previewing the la liga season we are going to be focusing a little bit more on the top three to top six teams so for this pod we're going to be reviewing Barcelona, Atletico, and Real Madrid seasons from last year, as well as previewing this upcoming season for them. And Rian and I have also prepared our own predictions for a couple of stats, namely top scorer, top assist, best player other than Messi, of course, and our sleeper pick for a possible top six position in Spain. So I'm really excited for this podcast. I know Rian's putting a lot of research, I as well. So let's start things off with a little bit of non-football news from Spain. And um, the the league in Spain is very, um, how do you say, I can't think of a better word than dumb right now. <laughs> um, so 
I don't know if any of you guys have heard about this, but the La Liga schedule for the entire season actually came out in July this year, which is notoriously early by their own standards. And I think a lot of people that watch La Liga were actually pretty happy that the fact that they knew when, say, Classicos were or big rival games were. People were happy with that. And then the issue of match scheduling arose. And so just to give you guys some brief context, the league in Spain pretty much has had a contract with the Spanish Federation up until this point on how to schedule Spanish league matches. So for example, the Spanish Federation will provide referees, licensed referees from the Spanish Federation on their end, and the league will go ahead and provide everything else in terms of you know, players, whatever, that sort of thing. And for the past several years, they've had an agreement in place that says, okay, we're going to not have uh, Monday and Friday games. We're only going to schedule Saturday and Sunday games. And up until now, it I, I won't say it was completely not a problem, but it has not been as big as a problem as it has now become. And so in the last couple of weeks, what we've seen in Spain actually happen is the federation and the league have been butting heads and now they've come to a point where we're a couple of days away from the uh the league opener on Friday featuring Barcelona at Athletic uh Athletic Bilbao of course um and we have only just learned that they're going to be playing on Friday and so for the rest of the season what they have apparently agreed on and a, a judge has actually adjudicated on this entire case they have agreed that Friday matches in La Liga will in fact be played, but Monday matches will not be played. That is the temporary agreement for now. That is my understanding of it. So we will have La Liga games on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And it was a huge, huge controversy in terms of you know match revenue um, to TV rights money to attendances at games. And there, there are a lot of pros and cons on that whole front, but I just want to give you guys some context to that because it, it actually has a lot of um, important repercussions on people that watch La Liga um, on the TV or on their laptops, whatever, compared to the people that actually go to the game. So that's uh, that's kind of the mess in Spain up until up until now, and it's not it's not pretty what? real it's really not pretty, what not pretty at all in afcon incantation is going on here what <laughs> <laughs> no it's nuts it's not they they literally decided that barcelona athletic was going to be played on friday um a couple couple of days ago maybe within the last week i just understand how this is allowed to 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 be <laughs> to <laughs> to we're coming to the week of the beginning of the season and nothing's in like nothing was completely uh set yet i mean nope it's, i mean that, I that, know. that, that yeah. like has a potential effect ticket sales um yep. and just say whatever business businesses that are going on during that night i don't know like oh yeah i know like, i know that's 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 the stuff is uh pretty confusing for me honestly in terms of how <laughs> something has gone to how it's gone to this point it reminds um, me of uh, how the Argentina Federation is managed, or I guess not really managed at all. But you get my what I'm pointing. What I'm saying. Yeah. So, so what is is so La Liga is not like necessarily run by the RFEF. So the way it works is that they're two independent organizations, right? So you have La Liga, which is its own independent sanctioned thing, and you have the Spanish Federation, which adjudicates over 
all Spanish football inquiries or operations throughout the entire country, um, ranging from the national team to the, the league campaigns. And so the licensed referees are provided through the federation via FIFA to La Liga. And so essentially what the federation does is give the league referees for all of their games. And so what had happened was the federation said, okay, if you want to decide that you want to start playing games on Monday, then we are not going to give you referees for those games. And so it became a stalemate and Javier Tebas, who's the, the president of La Liga, um, came out very vehemently opposed to all of this. And it became a huge issue because so the, the league's argument for wanting to have games for four days out of the week was that it, it essentially, and I don't agree with this position, it essentially pushes more people to actually pay to watch these games, right? Because if you're someone who has a, like, say you're a season ticket holder and you have a ticket to to watch, I don't know, Valladolid, right? Then you're more likely to sit at home on a Monday night and watch the game rather than actually go to the game because you might have work, you might have you know kids to look after, whatever. Whereas over the weekend, you're much more able to do that. And so the the Federation was obviously concerned about attendance and that sort of thing. Whereas the the league wanted an increase in TV money and more people to be pushed that direction. Interesting. That's that's just a mess, man. I mean, it's, yeah. You know, in England, obviously, you have the FA, which is basically the governing body over all of English football. But they still kind of they they are not the ones I, that actually schedule the games for the Premier League. So I guess it's it's the same in that sense, but. Um, they wouldn't step in to uh, like stop the Premier League from from uh, scheduling games on certain days for the most part. Oh like, yeah, like, like they wouldn't they wouldn't come in and say like un- um, uniformly no Friday, no Monday games and stuff like that. So right, you know, because it's just interesting to see the the um, like the footballing federation of country stepping in on matters like that, which oh. It, Doing uniformly is is a is probably the uh, the big problem that I would have with it. Yeah, yeah, I, I I get. I think there are arguments to both sides in this case. I personally don't want to see Monday matches, but that's that's a totally biased thing. I don't want to have to watch or worry about watching matches on a Monday. I prefer weekends just because I'm free on weekends. Um, but at the same time, I I get why the league wants to do that and increase their revenue. And, and, and Tebas had said something like, you know, increase our yearly revenue by like 300 million euros or I I think it was, he said 300 million euros. And I'm like, yeah, you're okay. Good. You're smoking something insanely (laughs) high right now. Um, But all right, whatever you say. And, and the other thing that I was going to bring up too, is that no one in the UK, no um, TV provider actually picked up the legal rights for this season, um, which sucks because no one met the valuation that La Liga believed that the TV rights were worth. And so no one in the UK, you said, yeah, no one in the UK, I think is going to be streaming it as, as of now, um, which is, which sucks because, because it's usually sky it's sky. Yeah. It's usually sky. And then it it became 11 sports for, for last season, or at least the, the latter part of last season. And they did a great job streaming it. And there's a huge increase in UK audience and, it it sucks to not see it being broadcast as much in in England this season, but 
I know for one that I will obviously be watching a lot of La Liga. You'll be watching it as well. So I'm happy yeah. with it. I'm happy with the the league. That's not going to change. Yeah, that's yeah. That's the interesting thing that you know. I'm surprised that it's not that um, no one picked it up in the UK because it's also tough here in the US because um, they're only on being sports, which is I believe owned by Al Jazeera. Um, yeah, and and not everyone has been. In, in the u.s like a lot of yeah. people don't have it <laughs> like, yeah um so it's tough that you pretty much if you're a u.s fan here you if you don't have bn you pretty much can't watch them on the tv unless it's the champions league watch yeah exactly so exactly and there there are a lot of people that have said that a part of why people don't recognize some of the players in Spain and how great they are is because they don't actually have the ability to watch them as frequently, right? If you right. watch the Premier League every weekend, you're going to realize how incredible a player, a player Bernardo Silva is, mm-hmm. right? But if Bernardo Silva played, say, for Valencia, right, then you're not going to be able to watch him as much. You won't realize that he might actually be still a top five midfielder in the world. Um so yeah. we'll hopefully that'll change, um, but for now that's the situation, and uh, and I hope that more people will watch La Liga this season. But hey, it's out of my hands. I'm I just hope that the federation, the league, sort their crap out because I don't want to deal with it anymore. Yeah, well, if you're one of our listeners, hopefully you will also watch more of uh, La Liga this season because we're gonna be annoying you with it no matter what. So you don't <laughs> really you like it or not. Yeah, we're we're gonna be talking about it. <laughs> Exactly. Well, speaking of La Liga and the teams in La Liga, um, we're actually going to start off with uh, the love of my life. And I can't tell if that's Barcelona or Messi because they're interchangeable. (laughs) Um, But we're going to start off with the champions of La Liga last season, the football club Barcelona. And we're going to talk a little bit about their their season last year. So they obviously had an incredible league campaign that's eight league trophies in 11 years which is nuts if you think about in the context of the the post pep era and what they were still able to achieve it's kind of crazy to think that they were able to keep up that consistency and a lot of it really is down to to Messi himself um i think we saw a lot of last season his individual performances are what actually carry the team through a lot of scrappy games and games that really could have gone either way, whether we weren't playing that well. But at the end of the day, he's one of the most clutch players to ever play the game. And um, he really came through last season, uh, pretty much every season before that. There's nothing else that I can say to to toot his horn anymore that people don't know. So I'll leave it at that. But the, the league campaign um, on paper, I guess, what's in my opinion, went really well. Uh, they finished 11 points above Atletico and 19 over Real Madrid. Um, so I'm just trying to think of this in context. Like imagine Manchester United – or no, yeah, actually, yeah. Imagine Manchester United finished 19 points over Liverpool in first versus third, right? That it, it's It's kind of baffling to think about. And obviously United had their huge glory, you know, period where Sir Alex Ferguson was around and they did win the league several times. Um, But for me, at least seeing in the context of this rivalry, um, one of the most heated ones in obviously in history, it's, it's deeply rooted in politics and everything in between. um, It's kind of nuts to think about 19 points over the opposition. Um, So great league campaign. There were times though, that I felt that 
the team wasn't playing a good brand of football. And I don't mean that as like, oh, they're not playing Tiki Taka. They're not playing, you know, the Pep way or whatever. I mean that in the context of like, they're not playing attractive football. They're, they're not playing attacking football, right? Like Liverpool, for example, they're not a Pep team, obviously, but they play a beautiful brand of attacking football that Barcelona were known for for years. But the style that Valverde has sort of adopted over the last couple of years has been very much pragmatic and it's more of a style of let's let's work the ball forward and see what happens type thing. Mm. Um, and not it, a lot of moving like, with purpose. Exactly. There's not a lot of movement with purpose. And it seems like the team was almost lethargic at times. And there was a lack of energy, which is why I'm beyond excited that Frankie de Jong is here. Um, but it, it just seemed like the team was slow and, and not as energetic as they should have at times. Granted, that isn't taking anything away from the fact that he has won the league the last two seasons, but it is important to note that that the the, the way that they're, they've been playing hasn't always been up to what I would say Barcelona standards. Um, so, but, you, so the feeling on Valverde is, I guess you would say, is it lukewarm? Is it positive overall? Um, I, I, I guess what's the comparison between him and Enrique in that sense? And, and in mm. terms of how people feel about him, because, you know, like you said, winning the league two years in a row is great. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's, he's not the manager for like Sevilla, right? It's not, so winning, right. winning two years, winning two years in a row is, is good, but um, the performances in the Champions League, the last two seasons to collapse the way they did, you know, twice. Stop. <laughs> I mean, I guess, like I said, you know, karma in sports is very, very real. I'm not sure it is. Oh I'm not sure it is in real life. God. I'm not sure it is in real life, but I know that karma is a real thing in sports for sure. And when Barcelona came back against PSG when they won six one, you know, not with. Uh, a certain person diving uh, for a pretty crucial goal. Um, not going to name names, but he is a very hungry, hungry striker. Um, <laughs> I, I just think that the sports gods, you know, they had to balance it out somehow. And so I think two straight seasons of um, impossible uh, leads after the first leg and blowing them in the second leg away from home. I think that's a pretty fair Pretty fair, right? You would have taken that, right? <laughs> you would take that if you if I gave you that with the PSG one coming back from four nothing in the next two years. In the words <laughs> of famed Chelsea manager Jose Mourinho, <laughs> if I say anything, I'm in big trouble. Yes, yeah. I've, so I prefer to say nothing. nothing. I have nothing. I have nothing to say. I've, I have nothing to say. I have, in fact, nothing to say. Oh, um, seriously, what what's the what's the thought around Valverde? Yeah, well, so here's here's the thing. The thought you you asked me in in terms of Enrique and, and previous managers, so let me let me put it into context. In 2012, when Barcelona went out to that Chelsea side in the Champions League, right? When Fernando Torres made good on on that investment, one goal is definitely enough for that. <laughs> <laughs> one goal, and that was it. One goal, and he brought them glory. Oh yeah, maybe all worth it. God, that was probably <laughs> that. That was a top three moment in terms of depressing Barcelona moments. But in, it, let's let's put this in the context of Valverde and that Champions League campaign in 2012. 
Barcelona fans were obviously upset about how they went out, but they weren't so much upset about the, the, the way that and the style that they had played football, right? And I think a lot of Barcelona fans would agree that the way that you play this brand of football that we're so known for playing, that's way more important than results because no one got on Pep's back for that game and said, oh, you did this wrong, you did that wrong. It was like, well, that was just absurdly unfortunate, right? But when you look at Valverde, his playing style, how pragmatic it is, and you look at the results in the Champions League, especially in the away knockout stages, then you might start to sense that there's a pattern here and it's not just pure luck. And it might actually be down to how the style of play has changed in the last couple of years towards this more pragmatic playing style that he's adopted and brought in. And so if I had to compare, say, Enrique and um, Ernesto Valverde, Enrique in his last season, things started to go downhill for him. And I think a lot of people were sort of saying, okay, now your your time has come and it's time to part ways. But when he had MSN and he had sort of that super front three in 2014, 2015, when they last won the Champions League, no one really actually looked to the other players behind them as much as they did as the the attacking third. Because you looked at the attacking players, you said – yeah, well, you just put them in the lineup and they'll score four goals a game. Yeah. And you don't have to worry about anything, right? Um, so I think there's a little bit of a difference there. But maybe, just maybe, this attacking third could score nearly as many goals as that front three. I don't want to say as many because they scored an absurd amount of goals. But I want to say maybe between Griezmann, Suarez, and Messi. If they're all firing on the same cylinder. I will say that much. Yeah. Yeah. The cra- crazy thing with the, the, uh, the managers at Barcelona, I, I mean, Chelsea gets a lot of stick obviously for changing managers a lot, but if you're just looking at the, so from 2003, to 2012, you had Frank Reichard and Pep Guardiola, just two managers for nine years there. Right. Yeah. And then from there you have four granted, um, Tito Villanova, passed away so that's that's obviously extenuating circumstances mm-hmm. but um from tata martino only there for less than a year um and then enrique gets a decent amount of time three years and yeah. and you know it's so there's it's not like barcelona necessarily has a long history of um having managers for more than three or four years because even if you go back before Rijkaard. I'm just looking. I'm just looking at the Wikipedia. the The longest serving manager before, from uh, 1988 to 2003, was Johan Cruyff. Naturally, who was yep. who was the manager from 88 to 96. Then from then, you have no one there for more than three years, which was Van Hall. Um, so, you know, the, it, there's there's pressure on the position, and this is coming up on his third season. And if we see another exit in something like the quarterfinal, well, you know, they made the semi last year. So I, I don't know how much um, that goes as a detriment to him. But you did see in that second leg, they were really, really not good going forward in that game. Oh, totally yeah. overrun. So, um, so obviously that's where the, the inquest will begin. And, you know, if you see a season, even if they win La Liga and they, let's say they finish in the quarterfinals again, um, do you think it's possible he gets the sack? 
I think he's he's leaving after this year, regardless. Okay. Quite honestly, I I think that he's sort of reached a point where even he himself has said, I I I don't want to put words in his mouth because I'm not him, but I think in his head he's probably thinking, all right, I, after this year, say I go out in the semis, right, or even the quarters, then what more can I offer this team that I haven't already for three years? And even if they do win the league again, even if they maybe even win the Copa del Rey, right? That that trophy, because of Real Madrid's success in the last five years, has haunted this entire team for so, so long. Right. And so it's almost like they're just searching for someone to bring it back to the Camp Nou. And it's hard. It's absolutely – it's almost nearly impossible to, to just pick a manager and say, go win that. Um, it's not right in some ways, but that's sort of the reality of modern day coaching and modern day managing, right? If you if you don't produce results and don't produce trophies, then on to the next one. Yeah, it's a tough world out there. For, I mean, especially if you're, if you're managing one of these Barcelona, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, all those teams, it ages you. I remember um, reading like an excerpt from Ibrahimovic's book where he was only there for what a year and he said it felt yeah. like five six years <laughs> like being yeah. at Barcelona like and and we saw Pep take a sabbatical like after just four yeah. years of managing there because he was just spent so you know just being at a club like that obviously is gonna the pressure and you know, the history is it's it makes it tough to be there for a long time though so yeah, yeah, and I remember speaking of hair. There's a there's like an Obama esque picture when Pep became the manager and after he <laughs> left, and his hair, like whatever was left of it, was like all grayed out, yeah. and it was like, man, you really <laughs> you took some L's in that office, man. <laughs> but yeah, no, I I think that Barcelona have a lot to focus on. We'll we'll get to that in a little bit in terms of predictions later on. Um, but they they definitely have some things to work on for for the the coming season. But right. they did make a lot of good transfers, in my opinion. Um, they got rid of a little bit of dead weight um, in terms of players that either weren't playing that much or that were out on loan, for example. Um, and they they moved them on. Um, the biggest one, of course, being uh, Malcolm um, moving on to Zenit Saint Petersburg for about forty million, um, as well as Sillison, our backup keeper in a weird switch type transfer with um, Neto from Valencia. Um, I think Neto was a little bit more expensive. Like, I think we paid them a little bit in cash, but it was almost pretty much a direct swap, but Neto has actually been great on, on preseason. So I'm happy with that. Um, But the rest of them, Vermalen, end of his contract, uh, Jason Murillo, who came in on loan weirdly in the middle of the season and just stayed, played like two games in the cup and one in the league, maybe I think. Um, and of course, the GOAT himself, Kevin Prince Boateng, uh, <laughs> coming in from Italy on loan to uh, to be a what was supposed to be a striker to help Suarez get some rest. And in fact, Kevin Prince Boateng played like two games and started maybe two or one, something like that. Um, and provided very little to no rest for Luis Suarez. So it didn't really work out. Hey, he got to live say. in Barcelona for a little bit, so that's a win. Dude, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a big win. Are you kidding? You get paid to train with Messi and live in Barcelona? I'd, I'd take that lifestyle in a heartbeat. <laughs> 
But I, like I said, I do think the some of the transfers coming in were really, really crucial. Um, Griezmann, we've talked about him um, on the first pod and how important I think he's going to be this season. De Jong, who I have very high hopes for, and I hope he stays for the next 10 years of his career because this kid is really something special. He is exactly what this team has been missing. He's the reincarnation of pretty much what I would want Sergio Busquets to be 10 years ago with more attacking flair. And um, he's everything in that and more. Um, and I, I have nothing even more that I could praise him for because he's just one of the best midfielders I've seen a long time in terms of youth prospects. Yeah, no, he's the um, most, he's, I, so I have high hopes. He's for the him. most important of the signings for sure. Just, not just because of potential, but like also in terms of the age of that position, right? You have Rakitic, Busquets, yes. Busquets and Vidal, all 31 years and up. <laughs> They're all, and they all play in that center yeah. mid role. So he's absolutely right. super right. important. And another one. And at times you could, last season we saw a starting lineup of, Rakitic Busquets and Vidal didn't always start next to Rakitic but even if you have Rakitic and, and Busquets starting next to say Artur last season th- the average age of that is like 28 <laughs> it's not it's not great so and that's only because Artur is 23 he just turned 23 and Rakitic and Busquets are both both well to their 30s now so like I said energy is needed De Jong is that I'm really happy with that um so we'll we'll see how his season progresses, but I, I really am excited for him to succeed. Yeah, and then you have Junior uh, Firpo, right? He, he yeah, in. Junior Firpo he, from Real Steps Batiste. in as a future um, Alba replacement. So that's the the current thinking. Um, it's hard to say he's going to be a replacement for Alba just because of how much Alba sort of achieved. Um, but yeah, he was brought in from Real Batiste for 18 mil base fee uh, in euros plus 12 mil, million in variables, uh, add-ons, whatever you want to call it. And I have seen him a little bit at Betis, Betis um, but not enough to say he should be a starter for by any means. He's not going to be starting. But I think there was a, a sincere need for uh, a very proven Maybe not very proven. I think for an exciting left back um, to fill Alba's time whenever, excuse me, wherever he needs a rest because Alba played way too many games last season. And when there was time or when there was a time when he needed rest, we ended up playing Sergio Roberto at left back and <laughs> Nelson Semedo at right back, which makes no sense. Um, but at the same time that I look at this for post signing, I'm a little disappointed that someone like Mark Cucurella um, from La Masia, who was out on loan last season and now back again, he has been moved on um, to Hetafe for the season. Um, and so, and even Juan Miranda, who, who played, he was one of the players um, of the tournament in the under 21s for Spain this, this past summer. And so it's not like Barcelona were void of left backs or let's say backup left backs, but at the same time, I'm happy with Firpo. So I would have liked to have seen some of the youth products promoted, but I'm not I'm not expecting much from this board anymore at this point. <laughs> well, I mean, Firpo's 22, so you know, he's at least a younger option. And maybe a uh, year two, maybe he, come, maybe he grows into that position. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, you know, they have, they have the money to go out and get a um, 
I don't, I don't even want to speculate. So <laughs> they can go. They have, they have the money to go <laughs> and get someone when they need him. If they find out that Frippo is not um, the level that they would like for that position. <clears throat> yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, hopefully he'll have a good season as well and actually yeah. get some playing time. So I have to say, uh, but any, like I said, any regrets on uh, Alcacer at, at all? Do you think does he fit you know, into this? Uh, does he fit into this team if you're talking about you know Suarez has like one more really good year probably left in his career? You know, I I was one of his biggest defenders before he left for Dortmund. And I was really sad to see him go because it's hard to replace Suarez with anyone for that matter. And I think Alcacer just came at the wrong time because he would have, I think in my opinion, filled his shoes very well. I don't think his output would have been nearly as, as good or anything like that. But I think his tenacity for goal and his eye for goal is extremely impressive. Granted, he doesn't always start at Dortmund. But at the same time, I still think he is a he's a top top player, um, and I, it was a shame to see him go. But I, I I understood it. It's it's hard to compete with Luis Suarez for a starting spot, and Alcácer was never going to get it. Um, so so no regrets, I guess, to answer your question. But I do wish that it had been a somewhat different time because maybe it could have worked out really well for him because he was great. Yeah, at yeah, and then he had a great um, last season there with Dortmund, eighteen goals. That's Fantastic! Eighteen goals, twenty six appearances. He was great. Yeah, and yeah. Showed, and showed that he was a really good exactly. finisher too, because he had eighteen goals, but his uh, expected goals were ten, was around ten. So it just shows he was really good at finishing top chances. So, yeah, yeah, no, he. It almost felt like every time he stepped on the field, whether it was as, as a sub or a starter, he would at least put right. in a shot or a couple shots on target. Exactly. So, yeah, but um. Now that the season's upon us, where do you where do you see this Barcelona team finishing, Rian? In the league, in the Champions League, I, I want to hear it from your ears. Well, this will this will go into this is for our surprise uh, to you. I I actually went a slightly different route in terms of. Oh, don't tell me yet! Don't tell me yet. I, we can hold off. Wanna, Listeners, I don't want to say off, my my prediction yet on, but I think, but I think, um, I think this team should win the league. Right, they're still they're still on paper. I think um, a more complete team than Real Madrid for sure, um, and more talented than Atletico. Right, so I think I think this should still be a team that probably should win the league, and um, I think Champions League. That's always a toss up. I I don't think pre name obviously the Neymar Neymar thing would would probably change would change everything in terms of. A Champions League prediction, yeah. right? Um, let it let it be said that we're making this preview based on the fact that Neymar is yeah, not just, currently yes, a Barcelona just, player. You know, assuming that he's not, um, then I think I think there's still I think there's still a couple teams better than them. I, I still really think that um, we're entering a really good era for English teams. Not to be biased for the Premier League, but you know, you we just saw we had two different two uh, English teams in a super cup. So obviously there's uh, something going on yeah. there. Right. So I, I think, I think, <laughs> um, I think there's, there's still going to be one of the top three or four teams that, that should be favorites in terms of the uh, champions league this season. Yeah, no, I, w- I wouldn't disagree with that. I think last two seasons definitely ha- have, or have been 
a little bit of weight on the team's shoulders. And I think that the reason that they're not maybe first or second um, could be for that reason as well. And I, I don't blame the bookies or anything like that for anyone else for that matter. Um, but they need to, uh, they need to definitely at least make the semis for me um, and not go out in the same way that they yeah. did this past year. Like, right. They made the semis, but you can't win three zero on the first leg and do that uh, the, in the next leg. So um I don't know. I think I think success for me would definitely be winning the league. Um, for me in the cup, I think success would be regaining their title because they they lost in the final to Valencia last season. Excuse me. And Champions League, it's got to yeah. Have to I mean, make the semis. Yeah, I, I I would say they they have to. Yeah, semis. I think it's fair. But I, I think, um, do you think making the semis? Paints a night paints a much better picture on the Valverde um, tenure there. If they if they make the semis and they lose by a fair and they lose by like two or three goals, like are are we still saying that's a success for them in the Champions League? Ooh, that's you know that's an interesting question. How does that affect Valverde? Yeah. In I think that if he even went out to, in the semis by two, three goals to any team for that matter. And I'm assuming that team is going to be a top European team just for argument's sake. I I don't think that there's a lot that he could actually do to maybe regain the faith of Barcelona fans unless he yeah, wins the Champions that's, League. That's, where, that's what because I think of, Yeah, I think, I think it's hard for anyone to justify the last two years without him winning it now because – even if you make the semis and you go out on a, like a stray goal or something like that, it, people will always hold the last two years against him. There's no getting rid of that. That will follow him till the day he dies. And it's it's a product of being a coach or a manager for Barcelona. It's just part of the job and it sucks. But yeah, that I, I never really thought of it that way. But I think that the only way that he maybe regains some sort of clout is – if he wins the Champions League this year. All right. Well, uh, I guess he only has one thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Only that one trophy to get. Totally simple. Well, this weekend, Barcelona play Athletic Bilbao away at San Mames. Um, this Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern time. That is 9 p.m. in Spain. So uh, quick predictions before we take a quick break, Rian, for this weekend. I'm taking – I'm going to say Barcelona come out. I'm going to say 3-0. I, I think they've they've been pretty set in terms of their team for the whole preseason. Um, they've had uh, Griezmann for basically all of it, right? So um, they're going to be ready yeah. for the game. It's not, it's not like they're going to have any late transfers coming in. It's not – It's not. Um, there's nothing that's going to shake up the team. And uh, Bill Bow has also done their business pretty early. Um, but, you know, it's – as far as I know, we get to see De Jong – for the first time, um, and we get to see Griezmann, Griezmann, Suarez, and uh, yeah. Messi, and you know, I, I think they're a bit too much. Bilbao lost. Um, they 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 didn't do much in the transfer window this year, which is generally they generally they don't did. do a lot because you know all of their players come from the Basque right. country. You know, they they have their philosophy. Right, exactly. If people don't know this, um, Athletic Bilbao is in the. Basque country of Spain, and um, basically they don't transfer in any players who are not born in that area. Um, yeah, yeah, they do have a great, great scouting system. They have they have, they have youth network. full monopoly over players in that area, though. 
and they, and they produce great players. Yeah. yeah. Um, the keeper for Chelsea, Kepa uh, Arita Balaga, also came from Athletic Bilbao. Yeah. Oh, you learned yeah, how to yeah. say his last name. Of course. Of course. Not that hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny watching pundits try and. Uh, yeah, yeah. Him, you would yeah. think that, like, having Atpiliqueta there, like, <laughs> it would have helped him. But, like, no, yeah. no, people don't really say his last name correctly either. The Chelsea fans really have a song called We'll Just Call You Dave. For uh, (laughs) that's hilarious. Yeah. Well, to go back to the predictions, I'm actually going to go a little bit more conservative for this weekend. I think San Mamés is uh one of the more tougher places to play in uh in Spain. Yeah, it's extremely difficult. Um, I'm and there's no Messi this weekend because he is out still with his calf strain that came out uh, in the last day or two. Um, so I'm going to go with a narrow 2-1 win, uh, Barcelona win. I do think that Griezmann actually gets on the score sheet in his first official game um, for Barcelona. Um, but I, I, I'm I, scared of San Mamés, uh, like I am a couple of other stadiums in Spain. So I'm going to stay conservative at okay. 2-1. So who starts up front? Um, are we looking at a Coutinho start right now? No, I think we're actually going to see the same starting lineup that we saw in the last friendly against Napoli. So Griezmann out left, Suarez in the middle, Dembele on the right, combining with Semedo at right back, Jordi Alba at left back. I don't know why I went all the way around the team like that, but um, for the midfield, this is this is the biggest toss-up for me because the midfield that worked incredibly well in last friendly was one of youth Um and I don't know how to feel about it because it was Sergio Roberto, Carlos Alenia, and Frankie de Jong, all of whom are, well, de Jong and Alenia, early 20s, Sergio Roberto getting into his mid to late 20s. I would be totally fine seeing that same starting 11, and or starting midfield, I should say, um, because at center back, I do want to see PK and Longley again with Ter Stegen in goal. But that midfield is really what interests me. I have no idea what to expect from this weekend in terms of what the lineup is going to be in the middle of the park. My prediction, if I had to guess, would be it's going to be Rakitic because he rested uh, the last uh, friendly. Probably De Jong. And probably Artur. That's, that is my guess because I, I genuinely don't know what to expect all right well sounds like we're gonna get to see uh dembele this week so that would that'll be nice i'm sure that'll be a big confidence boost for him after yeah, oh i can't after basically wait. being on a milk carton for the last 18 months <laughs> so, so, yeah for a stretcher yeah <laughs> i'm looking forward to man it, yeah so we'll we'll see uh how this weekend goes for sure well with that we did go a bit long on this barcelona thing but we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with the two madrid-based teams all right ladies and gentlemen we are back on the pod talking la liga we're gonna start off again with Los Blancos, the most hated team in my books, of course, um, and the worst team in Spain by far, the Real Madrid. Rian, what do you have to say about these? I, I, I don't even want to give them an adjective. <laughs> I just don't. Uh, well, they had a tough season last year, obviously. Um, they lost more games than... In recent memory, I can't remember the last time they 
lost about uh, 12 games. You know, they haven't done players. that. They haven't done that in at least a decade. So, so yep. um, not a great season for them. Obviously, uh, the last 10 games of the season, they were they were basically basically an eighth place club. They had 14 points in the last 10 matches. Mm, so, beautiful. You know, a team that was just pretty much reeling from, I think, a lack of quality on in a lot of positions, um, especially considering like ages, right? So yeah, I, I, their midfield is getting older, and you know, Cruz didn't have that great of a season last year. That's a big reason. Um, and although Benzema scored twenty one goals last season, tied for second. It didn't feel like he scored a lot, did it? <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> but, but I mean, I can't, I can't, you can't um, really fault it not feeling like that, um, even though he did score literally 21 goals. Um, but obviously he's not the same player that he was, um, and they're missing a lot of quality on the wings, especially. Especially when you don't, when Gareth Bale is going to be injured for like three quarters of the season, <laughs> like that. They had a tough time there, and then everything just came to an uh, really uh, unbelievable kind of, uh, I don't want to say zenith, but rock bottom was really the Ajax game. It was losing 4-1 at home yeah. to Ajax, right? So, And it's, it's not even like they – well, okay, talking about that Ajax, uh, I guess the two legs for, <laughs> for that Champions League tie – they were the better side at any point during any of those two games. There was not a single like, ten minute stretch where they looked like the better team. <laughs> no, not in the slightest. Like they may have won the first leg, but Asensio pulled something out of his ass, and yeah. the rest of the team just couldn't put it together. So I'm I was not at all surprised to see them lose and get knocked out by Ajax um, in the in the second leg at home at the Bernabeu. And by God, we were on spring break. I'll never forget this. We were on. <laughs> I, I personally was in Budapest at the time on spring break. And, Slight flex. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> and I was so close to the action now. But I was I was walking around. I remember I was walk, watching the game on my phone back at the hotel. And I had to leave. And I walk outside. And everybody on this street is eyes glued to TVs and shops. Just like watching this like, oh, oh my God, it this is happening. This is really happening. Oh God! It's one of those Champions League nights, man. Never forget. I mean, yeah, it's it was. You couldn't believe what you're seeing, but also just like the quality of goals that were scored in that game were just unreal. So incredible, incredible. But we're not we're not here to talk about Ajax. We're talking about Real and their disastrous season last mm-hmm. season. God. Yeah. So, and what what did it feel like? I guess on the other end. Uh, of being a Barcelona fan, and, and you know they weren't good in any in the classical games either. So like it, it what I am sure a lot of joy, obviously. But what did that feel like? You know, realizing that they weren't going to come anywhere close, which has happened. You know, it's not like that new to yeah. these teams, right? Um, there are years where one of them wins it, and the other team is off by a lot. Happens yeah. more often with Madrid because you know they're. They're so hot and cold sometimes, just because yeah. of like the personalities and the way that the team is um, put together. So, how did that feel? Well, from my perspective, they obviously didn't have a good league campaign at all. They were not consistent. I, for one, though, felt very bad for Julian Lopetegui 
and then Santi Scolari. Yeah. <laughs> Solari. After that, um, Lopetegui, I, I who, who <laughs> was supposed to be the Spain manager, for yeah, the beginning well, okay. of the World Cup, <laughs> and, and <laughs> he gets the Madrid job, and like. What within a week he's no longer the manager for Spain? <laughs> yep, within a couple of days, for that matter. Yeah, because it was a huge slap in the face to the the Spanish Federation. But let me let me take that back. I don't actually. I, I can't say I've felt that bad for Julian Lopetegui, but I did feel worse for Santi Solari when he took over after that because he was pretty much put in an impossible situation. Right, go out, try and compete for the league and the Champions League with a team that is broken and very little experience with top flight managing right he was a youth team coach before that but yeah i don't really know how he's supposed to succeed in that role yeah in terms of their performance last season that i think this is this is the perfect way of phrasing it the three classicos that were played in the spring between the two copa del rey uh legs and the one in the league were in a a perfect picture into their entire season they came into both of those or all of those classicos with some sort of hope, right? They had they had beaten Ajax in the first leg. Grant, they haven't played well. They weren't doing great in the league, but maybe this was a time to get back their confidence and maybe they could actually knock out Barcelona somehow in the Copa del Rey and maybe actually have a chance of winning the trophy after um, possibly knocking them out of the semis. A week later, they are knocked out of all three competitions within a week that is the perfect embodiment of their entire season they had so much hope with julian lapetegui before the season even started then all this string of results started going downhill and by the time they got to i think it was about october-ish time it felt like their season wasn't even worth it outside of the champions league and we all know how that went last season so i for one like i said was very happy to see it but man, this team needs a serious overhaul, especially in the middle of the park. Quite frankly, they need an overhaul on all areas of the pitch. And I think some of their transfers solve that problem, kind of. But they also have a lot of dead weight at the same time. It's it's just it's a total mess. It's an absolute mess. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's kind of the what comes from the product of you know they they win the Champions League three straight seasons, but. Those wins are really like papering, papering over the cracks that are within that team in terms of like the actual depth um, and the age problems that they were having. You know, and they were really only caring about the Champions League those last two seasons that they wanted, right? So yeah, they they really had kind of. It, I mean, you don't want to uh, criticize Zidane necessarily um, because they didn't win the league. Um, a couple of those years and because they finished like just they weren't really close to winning the league <laughs> um, no. especially his last two years um so you don't want to blame him too much because they also won the champions league but there was a definite uh atmosphere around that team that all that really mattered was the champions league right so i, I think this was just a product of it and when you're kind of putting all your energy into a competition that doesn't really uh, doesn't really reward consistency as much as like obviously the league is because you know league whatever it's it's you play everyone twice um and it's yeah. thirty eight games. There's a as we talked about from we've talked about the fact that Champions League is 
a lot more to do with chance than obviously winning the league stuff is. So um, looking at your performance in those competitions and being like, oh, we're okay. Yeah, we don't need to really make <laughs> like we don't need to um, do anything that extensive to the team over this next summer or whatever. Um, I think that kind of really clouded them and, you know, it just had them in a trance in a sense. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I, I absolutely agree. In in terms of their future going forward in this season, obviously they brought in Hazard, big money signing. Um, they brought in Jovic, which to me see, still seems like a smart signing, but I was reading today and yesterday that apparently because of his lack of success, I guess, in the last couple of months that he's been training with Real Madrid. Although I think he's an extremely prolific striker. I mean, we saw the, the Europa League yeah. last season. Apparently Zidane wants to send him on loan. Of course. For this season. Of course. Because sure. why not? <laughs> yeah, sure. Because that makes sense. Sure. Um, but I mean, it just goes to show you that none of, like, none of these players, like if you can tell me one Real Madrid player that has shined this entire preseason and has actually showed some semblance of hope of them starting the season on a good foot. That's not, that's not named Kubo because they're, they're new. And he's going off to get loaned. He's getting loaned. Exactly. He's probably going to Real Valladolid. Mm -hmm. um, And I can't name another player outside of that, that has had a good preseason. Yeah. Granted preseason is different from the regular season. I will maintain that, but there hasn't even been a semblance of chemistry being built with this team. All of the signings that, or all of the outgoing departures, I should say, I think would have been incredible players for them this year. And I think they should have gotten rid of a lot of the dead weight that they have in the team now. Um, but hey, <laughs> the more that they keep up with this, the better. Yeah, it's, it's, there's, I, I've preemptively um, am feeling a little bit for Hazard because he's gonna, there's gonna be a lot of pressure on him this season. Um, especially yeah. if they don't, if someone like if Neymar, or, uh, Neymar or a Pogba or now nah, Erickson wouldn't be as big a signing, not nearly. So like if if no one of those Neymar or Pogba level players are coming in um, by the end of this window, you know there's so much pressure on him to score. Um, and he showed last season that you know he he can he can be that he can be relied upon as he was by Chelsea. You know, Sixteen goals, fifteen assists. He led the league in assists last season. I think that's his his um, best value is creating chances for other people. But, you know, he's undoubtedly the best, the most, I think it's not crazy for me to say that he's undoubtedly the best, the best player in terms of talent on the team. He's their biggest signing since Gareth Bale. Um, and there's going to be a lot of pressure on him to score a lot. I, I just, I think he's capable uh, if he gets the same amount of touches. Um, but it, it's, it's a lot on him, I think this year. And, and, the Madrid fans are pretty ruthless. So, <laughs> oh yeah. So yeah, you know, yeah. The white hankies will come out real soon. I hankies, guarantee you the whistling, the, the whistling will come really quick too. Like it's it's, you know, there's gonna be pressure on him to score a lot this season because they're gonna look at him as um, the Ronaldo replacement. Like it's it's yeah yeah. It's hard not to. <laughs> like it's hard not to look at him that yeah, way. Yeah, I mean he took the seven too. Yeah. So yeah, that's not <laughs> that's helping. all on him now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in terms of their their league campaign, where do you see them finishing, and then as well as the Champions League and as well as the Cup? Yeah, I see. I, I obviously it would be some sort of collapse for them not to finish in the top four. Um, I think they finished third again this season. Um, mm-hmm. I, Champions League, I, 
I mean, I, I'll say the quarterfinals. Um, but you know, we know what success is for Real Madrid, at least lately. The success is yeah. is Champions League first, and then everything else. Um, yep. Which you know happens at that level when you're that big of a club. But um, I I find it hard to see how they win um, the La Liga this season, and Champions League will also be really tough. But you know they've. Yeah, they've pulled a rabbit out of their fucking ass <laughs> in Champions yeah. League before, so they could do it again. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't pass but to pass them to get to the quarters, but I really don't think they have the consistency or the, the team chemistry to make it past that, quite frankly. And that is a totally objective opinion, I swear. Um, but yeah, I I really don't see them having a great season. I by their standards, I should point that out. Right. But anything can happen in the Champions League for them, as we've seen. But, yeah, I, I don't have high hopes for them. But I think we're thinking three points this weekend for them, Celta, correct? I do think they will end up picking up three points. Um, Celta are a side that struggled last season. I don't think they will struggle nearly as much this season. They were almost relegated last season. Um, and by by their standards, that should not happen. So I do, I do think Real Madrid pick up the three points but I would not be surprised to see them only scrape by with a point. So I will put it at that. I'm going to bank on three points, not surprised by one. Okay. Would you like to go across right. this across the city? I would love to go across to the other side of Madrid and take up their cross-city rivals, Atletico, El Cholo, Madrid. Mm. They, they, they practically have a new team. This year, it's like it's like almost totally brand new. Yeah, so there's a little flavor. There's a nice flavor with them now. Yeah, bring in an Englishman, attacking flair. Oh yeah, bring in Englishman. Something that hasn't been done in a very long time (laughs) since I think I think it was the 30s or something. The last time they brought Englishman. Um, So it's it's been a it's been a minute. Yeah. Well, their season last season, Atletico Madrid's was pretty good by their standards i think i think they did well in terms of what they expected to to do but they did suffer in one major area that i noticed last season was that they ended up tying a lot of games that they should not have tied they tied 1-1 against Girona. whoa that came out very weird girona let's <laughs> try that again uh 1-1 and leganes 1-1 last season both of which they they are totally teams that should have they should have been beat um both teams were in battle for relegation practically the entire season and that i think had them suffer a lot forget about the fact that they lost to barcelona in what was i guess kind of dubbed the title decider even though barcelona were starting to run away with it at that point um I think their biggest problem was actually against lower lower opposition. But I, I have a feeling that they're not going to actually struggle with that as much this season because they really have that attacking flair and energy in their new signings. I, I really like what Simeone has been doing in preseason with them. Um, been working in, he started, started working a little bit more in a 4-3-3 type formation rather than a 4-4-2. And you can see he's put in a, a little bit more of an emphasis on attacking, especially now that he's lost. Well, let, let's go through those players, yeah. actually. He's lost Griezmann, Lucas Hernandez, Rodri, Felipe Luiz, Diego Godin, and Juan Fran. 
and all six of those players were starters for him last season out of the starting 11 entirely. So he just pretty much had to revamp this nearly this entire team. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot of turnover. Well, in terms of their la- their season last season, how did you how did you view I guess their European um campaign because they they're obviously knocked out by Juve, but they 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 did play pretty well through uh Yeah, through most it's of it. it's tough um when you come up against the god like that. It's it's not easy. Messi doesn't play uh, for you. Nope, nope, nope. That's he's more like a demi a demigod. Oh, I guess he he's your, he's more of a demigod. But the god, sure, the god Ronaldo. Um, Jesus, you know it's it's tough sometimes when you're <laughs> you think that a two 0 lead is enough, but it's not. It's not when this man's around. So I'm not going to blame them too much for <laughs> their performance in the Champions League. Um, obviously, they were great in La Liga this season. I, I think. I, they were great. They they were they were off by eleven points, which is you know unfortunate, obviously. But um, twenty nine goals allowed—that's pretty pretty good. <laughs> you know, they we we know that's yeah. we know that's their strength too. Um, and they led not only leading in terms of goals allowed, but they also led in terms of um, expected goals allowed. So you know the quality of chances that they were giving up were were just much um, less dangerous than everyone else. So you know they, they had a good season. In the league, um, I really feel good about them this season. Though I, this is um, this is why I was gonna say I'm holding back my uh, predictions for Barcelona there. So I'm just gonna come out and say it right here. I, I am just gonna go out on a massive limb here, and I'm gonna Uh-oh. say that I think Atletico will win the league this year. Yeah. Oh, now the chief reason for this is because Jao Felix, if you've been watching any preseason of Atletico Madrid and, you know, like you said, and like I believe too, preseason's not necessarily a marker. Um, I think team performances in preseason is not necessarily a marker of how good the team will be. But if an individual stands out as much as Jao Felix has this preseason, I really think that he gonna have the season that Kylian Mbappe had when Monaco won the league when it's basically his breakout season but he's so so good <laughs> he's you want to say breakout but like yeah. he's he already puts himself in like you know top 15 in the world basically <laughs> <laughs> so uh I, I really think that one I think Atletico got him at the perfect time um even though the the clause was massive but you know you it was a lot yeah, of money. But, it was all the Griezmann money. Practically. Yeah, but like his – think about his age, you know. So I, I think he comes in and has a fantastic season. He's playing going to be playing with better players. Um, I think someone like Costa, who granted recently just got injured again, um, and he's still going to be serving a suspension from um, <laughs> his choice words last season to a referee. Oh, my uh, um, God. That was the funniest <laughs> thing I have ever seen. Did you did you read the thing he, I sent you about uh, what he actually said versus what he was trying to yeah, tell the referee? Yeah, so Ellis, you can go on and, and explain a little bit to our listeners. So in the Barcelona Atletico Madrid game from last season, towards the end of the season, um, that was like I said, we was talking about this quote unquote the title decider, and so 
I think it was towards the end of the first half when Artur made a challenge on Diego Costa and he was pretty pissed at the referee for, I guess, not calling it or whatever. Um, and the words that he used <laughs> towards the referee in that game. And let me let me say it in Spanish so and then I will translate. It's me cago en tu puta madre, which almost directly roughly translates to I shit on your your prostitute slash fucking mother. Wow. That is the rough translation. I apologize yeah, it's, for it's the term language. of endearment, right? Of course, yeah. It's it's meant to say thank you. But and apparently, according to the news, what Costa said to the referee is, no, 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 I didn't say I shit on your prostitute mother. I said I shit on my <laughs> prostitute mother, which, of course, makes all of the difference in this case. Of course, of course it does. <laughs> which just goes to show how ridiculous of a human being Diego Costa is. <laughs> just amazing, amazing man. But he looks really good. He, um, especially, especially, he looks, he looks very fit. He looks, he's in what looks like the best shape that I've seen him since leaving Chelsea. Right. Like he like yeah. the uh the game against Real Madrid um just a few weeks ago, the seven thirty, he scored four goals. Like he was he was really good in that game. And um yeah. Felix was really good. It's probably a couple really good assists in that game. But I think someone that is also forgotten about is Alvaro Morata, who came to uh Atletico at in January, uh when basically his time at Chelsea was over. Um and came there on loan and and has signed permanently for them. No, but he has a full preseason with Simeone at, and Atletico. Um, when he joined after joining Atletico last season, he his expected goals per ninety was zero point six one, which went for fourth among um players in the league who played at least a thousand minutes in La Liga. So you know he's still getting in really good positions. Um, he's still yeah. Well, that's that's the. That's that's the <laughs> thing there, but but he's still just twenty six, um, and you know I, I think he looks like he's well. No, no, no. He looks very young. What are you talking about, um, Diego Costa? Oh no, looks I'm like talking about Morata. Morata looks. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. oh, oh wow. Yeah, Morata. Morata. Never mind. Morata was the one that was putting up the uh, the pretty good expected goals um, last yes. season. So I think a full season. And um, an opportunity to play up front, and his link-up play is still fantastic. Like you would, you would agree with that. His link-up play is very good. I think sure. him and uh, Felix could form a good partnership um, potentially. And I think Godin is a big loss for them. Um, losing someone of that stature is yeah. Their their back line is a little a little shaky, in my opinion. That's the only thing that worries. I me. think they score. I I believe so much in the system. That Simeone has, I think it's easier to defend um, than scoring is, right? So I, I don't think that's crazy to say. I think that the way he drills his teams, that they're going to be still very good. They may not only allow 29 goals, but I think they still put themselves in that 30 range of goals allowed um, because I think their solidity in terms of how they're able to defend against teams without the ball is still the best in the league um, in terms of shape and just discipline. And I think they score a lot more this season. I, I think guys like Murata and Costa um, are in a better shape and have a lot more confidence this season. And I think they have, I really think Felix is someone that's get could 
end up uh, being one of the top assist getters in the, in the league. So I, I think they have a lot um, more of an opportunity to be an expansive attacking team this year. You know, there's one interesting tidbit about Atleti, which I think is the most interesting as it relates to Jao Felix. Before, D- or I guess after Diego Costa left the first time from Atleti, Atletico Madrid had signed, I think, almost 10 new strikers in that period to try and replace him or to at least be phased into the team. And I think they finally found one, maybe not as a striker, but as the perfect replacement for Griezmann in Jao Felix. And I think he will have an incredible season for them. I expect them to score a bunch of goals and I am, I would be very, very unsurprised if they did win the league. I will I will go out on somewhat of a limb and say that as well, but I still do think Barcelona have the, the talent to take top spot. So Atleti-Barcelona games this season are going to be extremely interesting yeah, to watch. Well, you're heartless for not thinking that. But, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but, yes, but, you know, I, I think that – I'm just going to say I think they'll win it. I think they'll win it because why not? Um, but success for them. Well, do you think they'll win the championship? Nah, uh, well, it's so early. I, I don't want to – I don't I, – I say I think they've got a good chance. They're, they're a team that's got a good chance too. Um, I don't think – So you think they go farther this season? I don't think so. I think, I think they – I think honestly they'll be within touching distance of the league, and probably end up um, prioritizing that a little bit more. So, fair, yeah, I can I can absolutely see them doing that. They they won twenty thirteen fourteen on the last day of the season, so maybe they'll come down to the wire again. I think a lot of people could see it coming down to the wire this season, and I would not be surprised to see them do really well in Europe as yeah. well. So we know success for them is finishing top four, obviously, and yeah. Or honestly, top, top two. two. Okay, them. yeah, yeah. Um, and then for Champions League, it's just, I mean, progressing as deep as they can. I think a quarterfinal would be, a quarterfinal plus finishing top two would be pretty great season for them. Yeah, I, I wouldn't necessarily disagree. I think they would they would be happier with reaching the semis. Of course, well, of course. I think, depending on the team. Obviously, I mean, that goes without saying, but I think they are, they are, in line and they're opposed to potentially reach the semis and they would be a little more disappointed if they did not fulfill their full potential as well. Okay. Um, but this weekend, their first game of the season is again against Hatafe, who just barely missed out on a Champions League spot. So they will be in the Europa League uh, this season. So last season, I mean, they missed out on the Champions League spot on the last day. Um, so I think this might be a tough one for Atleti, but I can see them still squeaking out three points i'm gonna go with a 3-1 win i'm gonna take a 2-0 i think yeah 2-0 well we'll see if their defense holds up but we talked about this a couple weeks ago right soccer or football is is a game of who can score more goals and atleti have some pretty powerful uh strikers and attackers Uh, so does hitafe but at the same time it's kind of difficult to compare the two so both going three points for Atletico. Um, wouldn't be surprised uh, to see them score three goals as well. Um, or I guess I'm assuming you would oh, definitely not to see them. <laughs> score three, three goals. Yeah, there you go. Well, with that, we're going to take another quick break. We'll be back with our predictions 
and then we're going to go ahead and close out the pod. All right, we are back with the last segment of the La Liga preview for the 2019-2020 season. And we're going to start off with our predictions for this upcoming season, starting with our best player of the season outside of Messi. It's a very important point. So, Rian, who did you pick for your best player? Um, well, I really dislike the whole stipulation that's outside of Messi because I believe that Eden Hazard will be the best player overall. Uh, I think, like we, like we talked about, they're going to need him. <laughs> and Real Madrid is going to absolutely need him to yeah. be, um, if not the second best player, <laughs> then the best player in the league <laughs> this year for them to have a chance to win the title. Um, you know, his resume speaks for himself. I, I think he'll be in a team with a similar um, dominance in terms of possession. You know, Chelsea averaged around 60% possession last season and Real Madrid averaged uh, 58. So he's going to get a lot of touches. And he's going to be relied upon, not quite to the same level, but um, I think he's going to find that he's fouled less, <laughs> uh, just a little less, and a little less uh, of the cynical fouls that happened in the Premier League. You know, he got kicked around a lot, and I think that um, there'll be a little more, a little more space for him um, in terms of running into open spaces because the Spanish teams are not as much known to. Um, sit back you know the team's lower lower in the table and you can attest to this a bit more that they're they're not ones to uh, quote-unquote park the bus as much so um i think i I think he gets a little more free space and um probably takes probably shoots a little more too and i think i think he ends up as the best player in the league i'm thinking i think i think he could he's he could hit 20 and 13 or 14 assists this season I, I wouldn't be surprised with those numbers, um, especially given that he is supposedly supposed to be their main attacker, you know, given that he loses like 10 pounds. But <laughs> I I am hesitant to say that he is going to be ranked as the best player because I think that there are, there are levels to these sort of things. And he might be one of Real Madrid's best players, but I don't know if he'll be one of the league's best players. So my pick for best player other than Messi is going to be De Jong um, because I do. Oh, shocker. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, it was going to be one of two, right? So I went with De Jong. I think this kid is the truth. I really think that he is the reincarnation of, like I said, Sergio Busquets 10 years ago with more attacking prowess. He has the ability to connect lines like I, have, I just have not seen in the longest time in this Barcelona team. He is able to see spaces. He is able to see passes that no one else can see. I mean, if you haven't seen his assist to Dembele in the Napoli friendly the other day, go look at it. It is any other player would have played that through ball straight <laughs> straight in front of him. But De Jong is the type of player to see a pass that is not even there. And I cannot wait to see him play on the same field as Messi. I think this kid, while he may not, net a bunch of assists or anything like that um or a bunch of goals i think he will be a much much needed injection to this barcelona barcelona team so i cannot wait to see him perform um but with that you uh you have an interesting pick for top scorer so we let let it be known that we also went with top scorer and top assists other than messi 
because of course, you know. So Rihan, top scorer and top assist. Who are your picks? You have an interesting okay. one at so score. For I see. score, I have uh Rodrigo from well Looks like he's not going to be with Valencia anymore. So this is all predicated on him uh, completing his transfer to Atletico Madrid, which is a big rumor right now and seems like that's what that's going to happen. Um, yep. So he wasn't as great last season as he was um, in 2017-18. He had 16 goals in 17-18 and 8 last season. However, he, did, he played fewer minutes, took fewer shots per 90 but still improved on his um, expected goals from the season before. So he was getting in more dangerous positions. And uh, I think if the move to Atletico goes through, he's going to be in a better team. He's going to have more shot opportunities. It's going to allow him to get into better positions. And uh, I think he'll just generally have better service than at, at Valencia. So um, I, I'm going to go with him as my top scorer. And also it fits in with my belief that I think Atletico will be will uh, win the league. So if, he, yeah. if he's the guy starting in and out, a week in, week out, um, then I think he gets he gets the goals. Well, I, I do wish the best for him because I do really like him as a player. He was on Barcelona's um, transfer list uh, a couple months back when they were looking for a new striker of sorts or a new attacker. Um, while I didn't go the subdued, unexpected route, um, for my top scorer, other than Messi, I'm going to go – I couldn't pick between the two – between Jao Felix and Antoine Griezmann, because I do think they're going to be within one or two goals of each other for that uh, second spot. But I'm I'm going to go out on a limb and say Jao Felix. It gets just, just barely edges Griezmann, um, because I do think that he will have more playing time than Griezmann. Not to say that Griezmann won't have any playing time. I think he'll have a ton. But between balancing potentially a Neymar transfer in there, Someone's got to sit on the bench, and I'm not like I said, I'm not saying it's going to be Griezmann, but just inherently is going to be less playing time. Whereas Jao Felix is really the only one competing for that number ten role in the in Simeone's new system. Um, but I do think they both score upwards of fifteen goals this season, and I'm very excited to see how they both perform. Um, but for my assist, I'm actually going to go with Griezmann uh, for top assist. I think he's going to link very well with this. dynamic other two in a front three because I think he has the ability to move the play and advance it forward, especially in the attacking third. Um, So him linking with Messi will be a joy to watch, but I did have an honorable honorable mention in Iago Aspas and Santi Casorla who did have um, good assist numbers somewhere around eight ish um, a piece last season. And that's predicated on the fact that I think Celta will do much better this season than they did last. And I think so will Villarreal and Santi Cazorla is obviously a top, top player, um, especially when he was in his prime. It's a shame what happened with his injury and everything, but I'm hoping that he does get back up into the top assist category um, towards the top. So we'll see. Yeah. And I'm going to go with Hazard. I'm going to go with Eden Hazard as our top assist getter here. Um, he had 15 in the Premier League last year. Uh, and he led the Premier League in assists. He was top five in expected assists, expected assists per 90, and key passes per 90. So, you know, like we, like I said, he's going to be in a team with a massive amount of possession, and um, I think he's going to be relied upon in terms of creating chances, uh, you know, close to the – not the same amount as last season, but I think close to the same amount. Um, and I 
think that he's going to have a better uh, better strike striker options to pass to as well than uh, yeah. last season. So just just a little bit, but yeah, <laughs> no, that's actually a good shot. I think an honorable mention for me also would have been and Hazard because he did did have an incredible amount of assists um, as well. So I'm looking forward to his output. Just I hope it's not against us. Now with that, we're going to move on to the last segment of this pod. Our table predictions, our top six. Rian, I haven't heard your top six, but I think you've heard or at least seen mine. So I want to hear yours. What is your top six? So mine, um, like I said, I'm going to take Atletico win the league. I'm going to take Barcelona to finish second. I'm going to keep Real Madrid at third. I I, I don't imagine that uh, they finish below third the season. I think there's still too much talent on the team and it's still a bit of a gap between those um, first three teams and the next few. Uh, I'm going to go to Valencia to finish fourth again. And I'm going to say Real Betis finishes fifth because I think Sevilla, um, they lost two of their three, all three of their top scorers from last season. Uh, Sarabia goes to PSG, Andre Silva back to AC Milan. And um, it looks like Ben Yedder is going to be signing with Monaco and he was crucial for them last season. Yeah, so, I actually just announced today, so he's on his way. Yeah, so he's out. They losing. They lose their their top three scores, and also that with those three going out, there's also two of their top assist providers. So I think scoring goals for them is going to be a little tough this season. Um, they brought in Luke De Jong from PSG PSV in mm-hmm. uh, in the, in the Dutch league. Who's he scored 28 goals last season, so uh, he probably will probably translate pretty well. I think he'll be able to score a bit, but I don't think it'll be enough to replace all three of those guys goals from last season yeah yeah well my top six is a little bit dissimilar not too much so um all the pretty much the same teams just in a slightly different order i'm gonna go with barcelona to win the league atletico in second i was hesitant to put real madrid even at third but i do think that their talent is enough to put them in the third spot valencia i'm gonna go in fourth despite their whole Marcelino, Peter Lim issues um, with management. I do think that they also have enough talent to make it into the fourth spot. And also provided I don't think anyone else can beat them out for the fourth spot, more importantly. I'm going to go with Sevilla in fifth, which, and your points are actually very valid. And this is where I I had some trouble. Um, I do think Sevilla with their pretty much entirely new squad, they had like 10 signings-ish now. Luke de Jong, I do like, um, but I also think that they're going to get more contributions from the midfield rather than just from the uh, the front three or front two. Um, so I do think that they have enough talent to make into fifth spot. And my quote-unquote not really so much surprise team is actually, in fact, Real Batiste um, in sixth place for Europa League spot. So that's my quote-unquote surprise pick for this season whereas Rians was Atletico winning the league um they finished it Real Batiste specifically finished in 10th last season and they let Setien go Ruby who was Espanol's manager last season uh comes in or he's coming in this season um I think he did a great job with Espanol uh, I think their style or his style is actually comparable to Setien so I don't think there actually is a lot of need to change a lot in terms of manager to manager and I think that most importantly, this Betty side is really talented. I think that now that they have officially, as of today, 
added Borja Iglesias from Espanyol, they now have a true striking force in that player. Nicknamed the Panda, which I, I love that nickname. <laughs> um, now that one of those, um, you know, that whole saga is over, I think that they have the potential to absolutely make it into the top six of Spain. Borja Iglesias scored a ton of goals last season. Um, and I think that he did a great job with Espanyol. Espanyol themselves did great. I think they, they finished in seventh last season. So, yeah, I think Betis have a lot of talent and a lot of potential. And uh, I cannot wait to see them play this season. Well, looks like um, great minds do think alike in some senses. But <laughs> not quite to my level, Elias. Sure. Yeah, if that's what you want to say. Yeah, to mislead the people. I'm not about that, though. Anyway, with that, I believe that wraps up our La Liga preview. This week, we will have some new pods out in the the coming days. We'll be looking towards upcoming games in England this coming weekend. And next week, we'll have some more content out as well. So with that, Ellie Seckley here signing off with Rian. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.